Our lives are shaped by the questions that we ask. The quality of our life is directly related to the quality of the questions we ask and answer on a consistent basis. Somebody that asks, why does this always happen to me, is going to have a different life experience than somebody that says, why am I so blessed? Or what can I learn from this? We're going to look at three simple questions here this morning. I invite you to write down the answers. If you can't write them down, at least do them in your, in your thoughts here. The first one, though, is how do I want to be remembered? Let's look at some quality questions here today that can really make a change in our life before we leave this morning. The first one to stop and ask and answer, how do I want to be remembered? Psalm 90 says, teach us to number our days that we might apply our hearts unto wisdom, that we number our days to say, you know what, each day is precious, each day is a moment to choose to live with wisdom, to live with the mind of Christ, or something less. How do I want to be remembered? Daniel Harkavy has a great suggestion. Write out what you would want people to say about you in 10 years at a gathering in your honor. If we had a dinner, maybe not 10 years, say it was one year from now, or five years, what would you want people to say about you? If we had that dinner today, what might they say? Would they say things today that would make you laugh, or would they say things that would make you cry? And looking at what they might say today, what would you want them to say about you five years from now, 10 years from now, at a dinner, in your honor? What would your wife say, your husband say, your children say, your friends say? Here's the thing to keep in mind, though, and this is very crucial, and this was Jim Rohn who shared this. It's the law of diminishing intent. He said this, the longer you delay doing something, the less probability you have of actually doing it. The longer you delay making a decision and taking action, the less chance you'll ever actually do it. So as we answer these questions here this morning, I encourage you to then what decisions you make, follow through on that today and then tomorrow and continue that. If you put it off till tomorrow, there's less chance you'll make that decision to follow through. Put it off till Tuesday, even less chance. Put it off a week, you might not even remember. That's why we've said many times, you know, January 1st is not enough motivation or emotional energy to really change anybody. But we're in Lent here, and it's 40 days of focus on the life, death, resurrection of Christ. And so for 40 days to have the different standard that will extend then past those 40 days to be a part of our daily, regular living, that's where transformation can really happen. So to look at how we can be transformed by this Lenten season, let's look at a profound few verses John chapter 18. John 18 says, Jesus went out with his disciples over the Kidron. There was a garden and he and his disciples entered. That garden, of course, Gethsemane. Gethsemane, located at the base of the Mount of Olives, about a third of an acre, and it was close to the temple route. The next verse tells us, Judas, who betrayed him, also knew the place for Jesus often met there with his disciples. Judas also knew the garden. 
but it meant something different for him. You see, we can know many things, but not let it change us. So it is with Lenten season. We can know Lenten season. We can know the Easter message, but it not change us. You know, it was over the Lenten season five years ago that our church and about 50 other churches in the area were impacted by an individual that had access to church funds. They embezzled some $400,000 over about a three-year period. And at the trial that took place during the Lenten season, this person said, you know, it started when I wrote a check to pay for an electric bill. Started so small, they said. But then it was easier to do the next time and the next time. And then it just became this out of control choice this person kept making. We can know Gethsemane. Judas knew it. Didn't change him. We can know Lenten season. But many people go through Lenten season doing things that are very much the opposite of what Christ calls us to do. You know, at that trial... It was a public trial and some denominational leaders were able to say to the media, we believe in grace, forgiveness, redemption. So let's not just know what Lent is about. Really stop and ask and answer the question, how do I want to be remembered? If it's five years from now, what would I want people to say about me? Joyce Meyer, the minister and writer, she's written books read by millions of people and had this to say, I believe the greatest gift you can give your family and the world. What do you believe she would say is the greatest gift? I love her answer. The greatest gift, she says, you can give your family and the world is a healthy you. A healthy you. Emotionally, spiritually, relationally. How are you in health in these areas of life? One of the greatest gifts you can have, one of the greatest goals you can say to aim for during this Lenten season is how do I become healthier in these major areas of life so that I can live differently. And then in five years, people would say about me, what a positive change I was able to make then in their life. The second question. How can I get from here to where I want to be? How can I get from here to where I want to be? What steps can you begin taking, not in a week, but today? And not in every area of life, but maybe just choose one of the major categories of life. Maybe you say, you know what? My financial life is doing well, but my relationships need a lot of attention. Begin to focus there. Maybe you're looking at your life and you say, you know what? Spiritually, I feel that I'm growing, but financially, things need to, to change. Let me give you an example here from Dave Ramsey. Again, think about one or two of the major areas of life that you can focus on and how do you get from where you are to where you want to be? What steps can you begin taking today? Maybe it's your career, your retirement, physical health, emotional, financial situations, your relationships your personal and spiritual growth. Here's an example of some steps Dave Ramsey has written and great advice about somebody that says, you know what, financially things are not where they need to be. Begin today. He says this, you must gain control over your money or the lack of it will forever control you. 
So say somebody says, you know what, I need to get out of debt. Here's some steps Dave Ramsey suggests. You can begin doing this today. Even if it's simply going home and writing out a commitment and writing out the bills that you have and then looking at each one clearly and then writing out where you spend the money. Begin today making some decisions. Here's an example if you're looking at the financial end. Dave Ramsey, Dave Ramsey said the first thing is to focus 30 days till you build a one-month emergency fund of $1,000. Now you might think, I don't save $5 a week. But again, this is where the focus is. What do you need to do to get from where you are to where you need to be? Dave Ramsey shared one way to do this, to build a $1,000 emergency fund in one month. Go home, find everything that you can, that you can sell on eBay. Another place to begin cutting, we'll look at here in just a moment. But again, is that easy to do? My wife and I did it several years ago. We thought what many may be thinking today, put away $1,000 in a month. Never did something like that. We hardly have that money, but we did what Dave said. We went home, found a bunch of things, sold them on eBay, and sure enough, within about a month, we had that emergency fund. Here's another suggestion that he gives on how you can start putting money away is to cut $200 of monthly expenses and put that in a savings account. $200 out of monthly expenses. Where do most people lose money that they could begin saving? One of the biggest areas is in eating out. Restaurants, you know, we spend money very often, a lot of money, just going out to a dinner. It's one of the places most people can begin cutting finances. The next place people spend too much is on cars. Find a car payment that's much more in the range of what you can afford. Change the way you spend money on restaurants and on cars. You'll find you'll be able to put away $200 a month. Next thing he says is put an extra $250 towards your debt each month. This was an odd thing for Monica and I when we began doing that years ago. We did like many people. You just pay the bill that you get in the mail. And as Dave Ramsey shows in his books, doing that is going to keep you in debt. You need to start paying much more than what you owe on bills to get everything paid off. He suggests, again, an extra $250 each month to pay off that debt. Here's an example of a physical goal. Philip Yancey had this, taking steps that he began to get in shape as he saw friends having all these health problems. He wanted to try to get in shape, so he decided to take up jogging. He said he ran to the end of the street his first day at this new sport. Doing that, he said, made him very ill. But the next day, he ran a little bit further, and he came up with a goal each day to run to the next telephone pole and then the next day to go to the next telephone pole, increasing that distance a little bit at a time. In six months, he was running marathons. So again, how do I want to be remembered? And then how can I get from here to where I want to be? When you're looking at your relationships, what are some things you can begin saying today to those important in your life that'll start to change that relationship? Henry Cloud, who's written a number of books on family health, said he was working on his doctoral dissertation. 
and having a very difficult time, and some friends bought him an ant farm. And he thought it was strange, but they said, just set this up in your office. And he did that for three days. He said nothing happened at the ant farm. Day four, he came in, and suddenly he saw all of these valleys that these ants had dug out in the ant farm. And he said, each ant just moving a solitary grain of sand, one at a time, built something truly impressive. Small steps, day to day, not letting the diminishing intent stop us, but choosing today to start. Where do I need to make some new changes so I can be confident that in five years from now, people would say wonderful things about me because I chose to number my days and live with wisdom. Third question, what or who matters most? Who in your life has the priority? Lent is the perfect time to realign with your highest purpose. So what matters most in your life? John chapter 10, Jesus is talking to the disciples and all some, re, some religious leaders. John 10, 17, he says this, The reason the Father loves me is I lay down my life to take it back up again. Notice he says here, No one takes it from me. I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down. I have authority to take it up again. Three times he says, It is my choice, everything that's about to happen, that we know as Easter. It was his choice. He laid down his life and he took it back up again. The only reason it happened is he allowed it to happen. And he did that on your behalf and on my behalf, choosing it. You know, when he stood before Pilate, Pilate said, do you not know I have power over life and death? And what did Jesus say to him? You have no power but what you're allowed to have. Jesus would say, my kingdom is not even of this world. Everything that's happening was his choice. So let's go back to John 18. Notice what takes place. They're in the garden, and Judas knows the garden. We're told this the next verse, John 18. Judas, having received a detachment of troops and officers from the chief priests and Pharisees, came there with lanterns, torches, and weapons, and then it says, Jesus, knowing all things that would come upon him. Again, he knew the whole thing that was about to happen because he allowed it to happen. He's going to allow the trial, the whip, the cross, lay down his life, take it back up again. Judas shows up with all these troops. They're going to arrest him. He knows all things that would happen. And then look here. He went forward and said to them, who do you seek? This is a huge moment in scripture for you and I. All these troops show up to arrest him and he went forward, putting himself between the soldiers and his disciples. He puts himself between us and sin. He puts himself between us and Satan. He stepped forward and said, who do you seek? 
Great example for us in our own lives. Commitments we can make in Lenten service to say, I want to live like Jesus. I want to be healthy so I can step in front to protect those around me spiritually by my example, my life. So the question again, what matters most? Who or what in your life is the priority? What needs more or less attention in your life? If you think about relationships, career, retirement, physical health, finances, spiritual growth. Daniel Harkavay says it well, balance is giving not equal, but appropriate attention. You don't have to give the same attention to each area of life, but which one needs the most attention that today you can make a decision and begin taking the steps to see those changes. So he steps forward and says to them, who do you seek? Notice what they say, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said to them, I am. Now when he said to them, I am, we'll see what happened next, but that statement there, some translations have I am he, and the he is in italics, which means it's inserted to make it read more smoothly. But when they say, we're looking for Jesus of Nazareth, what he said was, I am. And I am, he says twice. And again, what is important about that? We'll see here in a moment. They know. But we know from the Old Testament, I am is a statement of divinity you find in the Old Testament, especially in Exodus. It's a statement that he was making that I am that he is the divine son, that he is God. I am. That's who steps between you and me and the enemy. Steps between you and me and sin. Laid down his life on purpose to take it back up again. Notice what happens here. Verse 6, when he said to them, I am, they drew back or fell backwards and fell to the ground. The I am, the divine name, and when he spoke it, There's such power in that, that they fell down backwards. Notice what he says next to them, verse 8, as we close. If you are looking for me, let the others go. This happens so that the words Jesus said would come true. I have not lost any of the ones you gave me. He steps in front of the danger. He is our atonement. He places himself in front of us and the enemy. Here he's ensuring the safety of the disciples. Take me, let them go. With that promise that he is the I am in our life, that he steps between us and sin, us and the enemy, how will we then number our days to live in wisdom? A lot of people know Gethsemane doesn't change anything for them. A lot of people know Lent doesn't change anything for them. A lot of people have good intentions in Lent, but the law of diminishing intent, when they don't take the necessary steps, they simply forget what they intended to do. Let's live differently because the I am has stepped in between us and sin to set us free, laying down his life on purpose to take it back up again. How do you want to be remembered? How do you get from where you are to where you want to be? Who or what has the priority in your life? How will that change today? Knowing the I am. Chose to lay down his life to take it back up again.
Evangelist Mark Geppert experienced this in a profound way. He went to Nepal in India, and here's an article from two years ago. Nepal criminalizes Christian conversion and evangelism. Now, when Mark went a few years ago, the penalties, it's illegal to convert to Christianity and to share the gospel. When he went a few years ago, you got one year in jail if you converted. If you shared the gospel, you got three years in jail. If you got baptized, you got six years in jail. And he went there as an evangelist, tried to be discreet, but as he was talking to some people, they got very excited as he shared about Jesus. He noticed a man a few feet away, he said, with a military haircut, very angry, suddenly turned and ran towards the police station. Somebody said, he's about to tell them who you are. And Mark and his team realized they were going to be arrested. He tried to run away, but he said he was not very fast. He couldn't run far. And the police came running out of the office and captured him, took him to interrogate him. Terrifying moment. He's facing years in prison. The police officer says, are you a Christian? And Mark, in that moment, that fear, said he suddenly heard very clear in his mind a voice that said, I live to make intercession for you. He said, I knew the police didn't hear it, but I knew it. I heard it. So when he asked me if I'm a Christian, I said, yes, I am. He said, the police officer then says, were you sharing the gospel? Remember, that's three years in jail. And a voice inside said, I live to make intercession for you. And Mark said, yes, I was sharing the gospel. He said, the police officer then said, have you been baptized as a Christian? And here was the moment of truth. And Mark once again heard, I live to make intercession for you. Six years in jail for being baptized. And Mark then said with boldness, I've not just been baptized. I've been baptized three times. The police officer looked at him and said, I'm giving you a warning. Get out of my office. The I am stepped forward as he does in our life, putting himself between us and sin to let us number our days and live with wisdom therein.